You're listening to the Illinois Farm Talk podcast. Here are your hosts, Ben and Garth. Direct and indirect remuneration fees, um, also referred to as DIR fees, are collected by the PBMs that administer pharmacy benefits to Medicare Part D plans. They are taken several months uh, following payment um, to the pharmacies and are um, vague and hard to um, predict what they will be. Therefore, as being a pharmacy owner, they um, it makes it very difficult to predict what my income will be and when they will take these DIR fees back from my payments. Um, that is uh, hard as ever on my business to run it successfully and be able to um, predict what my bills are and how I'm going to pay them on a month-to-month or even a week-to-week basis. The PBMs um, sell the DIR fees to legislation and to Medicare as saving um, money for Medicare, but in the end, they increase taxpayer spending on associated with Medicare and filling of prescriptions, and they also inadvertently increase the out-of-pocket expense for the Medicare recipients who are paying for their um, medications and um, it makes them go into the donut hole um, or coverage gap more quickly and um, increase the amount of money that they are having to pay for their medications. It in no way saves money for the Medicare recipient, for the government, or for the pharmacies. The only thing DIR fees do is make money for the PBMs. DIR fees started uh, several years ago in the Medicare Part D um, arena, and we've seen them grow well over 40,000% in the last uh, three to five years. Um, we've, we have multiple pharmacies in, uh, in our group of stores. We've seen um, rural, rural pharmacies of ours that were thriving, profitable, stores that could pay their own bills and, and were self-sustaining turn because of DIR fees turn to uh, losing propositions, businesses that were still growing in, in prescription count and still growing in sales, yet the recoupments from uh, pharmacy benefit managers and DIR fees have turned those pharmacies uh, in, in the red, into the losers. Obviously, being a business, you cannot sustain uh, long-term losses like that. And we've been forced to close several pharmacies um, and directly and because of uh, DIR fees. Um, our, our group of pharmacies, uh, like I said, we're, we're about 15 pharmacies, had well over a million dollars in DIR fees recouped out of our payments. And there, there wasn't a million dollars to be had to be taken out of our reimbursements. These are these are recoupments from from PBMs, pharmacy benefit managers, that we, we don't know when they're coming. We don't know how much they're going to be. Um, there are three and four months after the time that the prescription was filled, adjudicated, paid to us, and then months later, these fees are recouped out of our payments. It is it is not a sustainable business model, and the funds are not going back to Medicare Part D patients. They're they're being taken from pharmacies and and Medicare Part D patients, and are are hurting independent rural pharmacies across the state, across the country, and pharmacies are closing at an alarming rate. Uh, it, it, not just independent pharmacies, but chain pharmacies alike. And these um, these fees have got to be changed, stopped. Um, 
regulated in some way or there's there's going to be a huge loss of pharmacies especially in rural communities and access to pharmaceuticals for uh, individuals is going to be almost impossible how can we be expected to run a business when we are getting charged blindly for a fee six months after the fact and when the medication is already gone the patient has already swallowed the medication how can we be dependent on our patients taking their medication and we're getting charged because the patients don't take their medication how can we be involved in a system where we are submitting our claims to our largest competitors and our largest competitors are judge jury and executioner on how much we get paid it is high time for the government payers to get back down into the weeds and figure out what the fair reimbursements need to be to the pharmacies. You can no longer wash your hands and say, we're gonna go and hire somebody else to do it because they have proven that they cannot be trusted. Hello, I am Ben Calcaterra and I am here with Garth Reynolds. We're here to bring you the next episode of Illinois Farm Talk, brought to you by the Illinois Pharmacist Association. In this episode, we will put our finger on the pulse of the profession, give you a current feel of where we stand in our fight to keep community pharmacy alive. We will also give you a summary of the state bills that passed out of our session this spring. So with that, let's get started. Hello, Garth. Hello, Ben. So the biggest topic on everybody's mind is the DIR talk. Um, DIR fees or direct or indirect remuneration fees are the biggest talk of town right now in the on the federal level of pharmacy landscape. And what these are, if you're unfamiliar, are fees that PBMs are allowed to recoup after the point of sale. So if we are selling a a prescription to someone on Medicare Part D, uh, at the end of a 90-day period, they recoup some of that money based on a percentage or some sort of performance measure. Uh, every PBM kind of has their, their different way of taking back these monies in, in different ways or shapes or forms. But the end result is what you are told at the point of sale as a pharmacist is not the final result of the sale. And it's very hard for owners to budget for all of these financial constraints that that the PBMs are putting on them with taking back money. And it's really hurting the profession as a whole. So it's no surprise that on the federal level, we are having committee talks, um, administration talks. Everybody is, is is talking about DIR fees right now. And last week, the Senate Finance Committee held a uh, a committee meeting talking about their plan for drug prices. And we were hoping that they would throw out some legislation for DIR reform, but that didn't quite happen, did it, Garth? No, it did not. So. So what do you think is the answer? Where do we go from here? If they're not going to put this in legislation, what do you think? You think we have a chance to get something done this, this session? There is a chance, but 
it's not a huge chance and that and that I don't mean to sound pessimistic by that, but we have to be realistic with what's going on right now on a federal level, and that is gearing up for the 2020 presidential election. And unfortunately, however we want to look like it, we're going to be caught in the political game where it may be the interest of some politicians to make sure that President Trump doesn't have any type of a win here. And unfortunately, we get to be the sacrificial lambs on that. I'm hoping clearer heads will prevail. As we look at some of the items that are in the Prescription Drug Pricing Reduction Act, which is what was discussed last week at the Senate Finance Committee, it is encouraging that they're wanting to require HHS to establish a standardized mechanism for the pharmacy quality metrics, which is what we have been asking for for a long time because it's been discussed. That is how the these metrics get abused and manipulated and twisted in such a way that they mean whatever the PBM wants it to mean on that given day to determine how much money they want to steal back from you and put into their pocket instead of what it's supposed to be doing, which is rewarding you for value-based and performance-based care. And so we are really in a less than probably 50 days of legislation, legislative time in the rest of this calendar year. So right now, um, this is August 1st when we're recording this, The um, all congressmen and senators are back home in their districts for August break. And I know we're going to touch on this a little bit later on, but this is the time. We have asked many of you to step up and to invite your congressman in or your senator, and we've talked about that on a state level, but this has to be on a federal level. DIR cannot be fixed in Springfield. It has to be fixed in D.C., and we need you reaching out to your congressman and to Senator Duckworth and to Senator Durbin and telling them how DIR fees are destroying your ability to keep a sustainable and accessible practice in your community. And we want you to reach out to them. A lot of them have town halls during this time. Please research that and see if you can attend these town halls and get the community aware of what is going on and how pharmacies are being held hostage and money is being stolen and taxpayers' money is being manipulated to the gain of these pharmacy benefit managers. And let's not forget, you you mentioned town hall meetings, and that's very important because when you go to a town hall meeting, you're not just speaking to the legislator. You're speaking to the community that's sitting in that room listening alongside the, the legislator. And that, that, that brings up a, a nice transition to your patient population. If you can get your patients in on this and, and, and the handful that can really grasp the concept and idea of, of what's going on and get them to understand what the real problem with drug pricing is, that it's not your fault that your your insulin is, is that pricey to, to the patient. It's the whole system. It's the PBMs. It's the rebates. It's the DIRs. It's everything that goes into all of this. Get your patients 
enraged right alongside with you because when those patients start talking to the legislators, they'll really open up their eyes because now it's not a greedy pharmacist asking for more money. It's the actual consumer. It's the actual constituent saying, this is a real problem that's affecting me in my daily life. So so don't don't forget that, that you can you can enroll your patient population into this fight right alongside with us, right? Exactly. And I just want to kind of bring out a couple of things. The This effort, there is a coalition effort to try to address this issue on a federal level with our legislators, um, specifically in the Senate, since that's where a lot of the movement is going on right now. Um, NCPA, NACDS, um, NASP, which is a specialty pharmacy association, APHA, the Food Marketing Institute, the National Grocers Association, NASPA, and ASCP, ASCP issued a joint statement and basically saying, quote, the simple description of this problem is that payers and pharmacy benefit managers are gaming a Medicare regulation loophole, inflating patients' prescription drug costs, and forcing more pharmacies to close due to their egregious fees they impose and collect for their own profit. And I think it's interesting in the statement near the bottom, they point out this fact that the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services found that DIR fees have exploded by 45,000% between 2010 and 2017. CMS also estimates that DIR fee reform would save beneficiaries $7.1 billion to $9.2 billion over 10 years at the pharmacy counter, even when factoring in any type of debatable potential for slightly higher premiums. Because that's the threat that the PBMs throw out there is that they will have to raise the cost to patients in their premiums. And we just need to state the fact that the that the PBMs have been feeding at the fire hose. And I would say they've been feeding at Niagara Falls when it comes to DIR fees. And we have to stop the flow of water to them now. They are destroying the established healthcare system in this country and allowing pharmacists to deliver quality and safe patient care. I know that the majority of our listeners out there are pharmacists and probably the majority of those pharmacists are people who are very intimately aware of what the situation is that we're talking about. However, I would venture to guess there's a handful out there that that are just learning about this, maybe from our podcast, maybe from some other pharmacy podcasts, maybe from other sources. But here's an interesting thought. If you don't believe that the drug price talk is all or should be centered around pharma and the the manufacturers who are making the products and and that's the cause of the drug prices if that's where you think the problem lies let me tell you this the top two pbms in this nation are more profitable than the largest manufacturer of drugs in this country so that should tell you where the profits are flowing it's flowing straight to the pbms not to the manufacturers. So if the manufacturers are reaping all the benefits of these high drug prices, why aren't they more profitable? And you have to remember that these manufacturers are also global companies and that these United States-based centric um, companies are just surviving and engorging themselves on taxpayer dollars and dollars that should be going to support community pharmacies and uh, and other pharmacies in in that are serving patients and this 
this model and this abuse has to end. And if, uh, if, if you're a pharmacist, you have to realize, no matter what profession you're in, whether you're a community pharmacist, a chain pharmacist, mail-order pharmacist, even if you work for the PBMs themselves, you have to realize the damage that the PBMs have and continue to do to the profession as a whole. If you remember the workplace safety issues that we encountered in the state of Illinois just a few years ago, this can all be tied back to low reimbursements by greedy PBMs and having to shave safety standards just to cut dollars to stay open in some situations, and that is just un acceptable. We as a profession have to stand together to remain as we once were the most trusted profession. If we keep allowing greedy large company dollars to rule healthcare and make the determinations that pharmacists have to decide based on a PBM mandate of money rather than a patient mandate of health, then we're going to lose as a profession of pharmacy. And with that talk about professional awareness and with the whole profession coming together, with joint statements being made from many different associations, there was a joint conference that was held for this very reason. And our co-host, Garth, was an invited in- attendee to this conference. Um, I'm not even going to attempt this title, Garth. Could you uh, clue us in on on what happened at this joint conference and what it was? Yes. Um, th- this this uh, conference was put together um, and being hosted by AACP, ACPE, APHA, NABP, and NASPA. And this comes as part of the accumulation of many issues impacting the profession and the profession listening to pharmacists out there and what they're experiencing in their workload environment. Some of this did spur from directly from the Chicago Tribune articles a couple years ago that Ben just mentioned and the work that we're continuing to do on a state level through the Collaborative Pharmaceutical Task Force. But we need to look at a profession on wellness issues and workload issues. So this conference, which was titled Enhancing Well-Being and Resilience Among the Pharmacist Workforce, and it was uh, considered to be a national consensus conference, there were about 85 um, individuals representing various um, aspects of the continuum of pharmacy, all the way from associations to academia to health systems to national directors of pharmacy, all the way down to um, department managers, pharmacy supervisors, and front level, many front level, frontline pharmacists, telling the stories that they're impact that they've been experiencing. And so we had staff pharmacists along with pharmacy managers. So we had true well-represented sampling of the profession in this room, and we had a very intense um, three-day conference really trying to look at the issues of workload pressures and resilience, trying to establish what we need to be doing as a profession, and trying to alleviate these concerns. And we really came, we came up with 50 recommendations for the profession. And I want to say up front that these recommendations, just because we've issued them, isn't going to make things change overnight. But this is the agreed 
position for the profession on how to step forward with these issues. And we came and we decided that there were a number of categories. So we, there was pharmacist work conditions and patient safety, payment models, relations between pharmacists and employers, pharmacist and student pharmacist well-being, well-being education and training, communication, and data information and research on pharmacist well-being. So we're taking a look at this from basically an egg to a chicken aspect. We're wanting to make sure we're addressing well-being, trying to establish a new culture, not only with researching the current issues, but also trying to instill this in students all the way through residency and into practice. And as um, any of the individuals that were there would tell you, I kept bringing up that there is one major root cause to a lot of this. And that's the PBMs. Aetna, CVS, Cigna, Express Scripts, and United Healthcare Optum are the danger points for why the profession is in such a death spiral right now. If we could remove PBMs and snap our fingers and PBMs would be gone tomorrow, the workload the mental health and well-being of pharmacists in, pra- in, ver- in various practice settings and the safety of our patients would dramatically improve overnight. But we know that is not going to happen with a snap of our fingers. It's going to be a process. In one of the items, the number one item when it came to looking at impro- improving payment models was addressing that the profession has to actively engage with PBMs. We have to take the white gloves off and take the boxing gloves off too because that's too soft and we need to put on some brass knuckles because it's time to tell the PBMs the abuse ends. And one of the recommendations is that the profession as a whole has to actively engage with other healthcare professions, because some of this does leak over into the insurance into the insurance sector as well, and we have to work with patient advocacy groups to help tell our story that this isn't just the pharmacist making up th- making up stories that we're just not well paid and we're just we're just whiny babies. The actions of PBMs are having a devastating mental health public health care crisis on the state of pharmacists today. They're not only destroying our businesses, endangering the health care of our patients, but they are harming our pharmacists and our, and our team. And it stops now. This conference was to establish a new level and foundation for the profession to move forward, to not only recognize these mental health issues, but we have to make some very hard decisions going forward. And it's going to be very tough, and it's going to be uncomfortable. But this is why we have to call out CVS and Express Scripts and Optum for the purposeful manipulation of our profession for their bottom line. They can claim it's for healthcare and the betterment of employees and and cost containment. If they were truly able to help cost containment, why have prices gone up so much in the last decade? 
It's because of their manipulation of the market is why prices have gone up significantly over the last decade. And we just talked about with DIR fees, 45,000% increase in DIR fees. It has to stop now. And it has to start with the profession putting putting aside a lot of our grievances that we may or may not have about organizations or about our employers. And we need to focus our energy on our true enemy. And our true enemy is Aetna, CVS, Cigna Express Scripts, and United Healthcare Optum. Nothing else should take us away from addressing our true enemy. And beyond that, there's something that you touched on that we don't very often talk about in these these talks, and, and, and that is about the well-being of our actual pharmacists. And that is part of the reason the title of your conference, which hasn't been mentioned yet, is, and I said I wasn't going to tackle this, but I'm going to say this because it's, it's an important title, Enhancing Well-Being and Resilience Among the Pharmacist Workforce, a National Consensus Conference. Well-being and resilience among the pharmacist workforce. If you haven't recently done so, reach out to your pharmacist peers and just check on them because, you know, we're all going through tough times, no matter what place you are in the pharmacy workforce. So, uh, you know, we we talk a lot about mental health and, and, and this is... This is something that we've we need to start looking inward a little bit because tough tough times are ahead and and uh, we don't need to focus our mental health look like we're trained on our patients only look at ourselves and look at our peers so so if you haven't lately reach out to your peers and in addition to that APHA has worked with the Mayo Clinic in establishing a very quick self survey so you can analyze how you are doing with your current status of well-being and that is available through APHA's website we'll also be making it available through our website but please do take it takes maybe two to three minutes but truthfully answer those questions they're they're, they are gathering some of it for research but they're not going to be contacting you but it does provide you with a report on where you're at right now and maybe it's gives you a little bit of a step back for some self-awareness and assessment that you may need to take the steps for seeking any professional services and this does give provide you some additional next steps if you do need that and there's nothing wrong with that because we, we need you to be healthy, not only for you, but we have a duty to be healthy for, for ourselves, for our patients as well. And please do take the time to take a look at that because we have really kind of put this fog over addressing workload issues for far too long. And the fog is lifting and it's not going to be something that's going to be fixed overnight. But we have to start talking about and being truthful about what is going on. 
So with that, like R said, take take a look at that test uh, survey uh, assessment form. Uh, it's very important. And, and again, re- reach out to your peers and offer that assessment for them, too, if they're unaware of that. So we've, we've talked a lot about some federal issues. Uh, we've talked DIRs. We talked joint conference. Uh, and, and we also talked about asking your federal legislator when they're on recess to come in and talk about all these issues with them because they're the ones who are going to matter to make the difference with federal legislation here. Because remember, DIR is not a state problem, it's a federal problem. So we need federal help from the federal legislators. So so ask them to your store today. Make a call. Reach out. Uh, with that, we're going to switch gears and, and start talking about some state issues and state uh, review of legislation that's passed in the spring. And before we get there, we're going to take a short break. So give us a moment. We'll see you on the other side of this break. Hello, I am Ben Calcaterra, and I want to let you know just how important it is to hold a membership in the Illinois Pharmacists Association. The Illinois Pharmacists Association stands up for all pharmacists across the state, from community to health system, academia to long-term care. Your membership will strengthen the efforts of the entire association. Consider joining today to gain valuable insights and updates about news and events affecting the profession of pharmacy in the state of Illinois. To gain educational opportunities such as CPEs and certificate training programs, or or to help advocate to protect the abilities of pharmacists to practice in the best way they possibly can. Stand up for your profession, stand up for your state, and stand up for your patients. Join today. Call the office today or log on to IPHA.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IL Pharmacist. That's plural with the S, IL Pharmacists. Okay, welcome back. Uh, so we've covered all the federal issues, and now it's time to talk about some state issues. So onward to the great state of Illinois. Uh, Garth, let's talk some review of spring session legislative issues that, that we got passed and, and some important pharmacy-centric bills that we're going to look forward to coming up. Yes, and we know we've covered a lot of this in previous episodes, especially the ones during session of the pharmacy bills that we've been um, really putting a lot of investment in. But we want to take this time because we know we're engaging with new new listeners all the time. So we do want to hit on some of the highlights. We're not going to go through a full laundry list of um, bills that pass, but I do want to hit on some of the highlights. And of course, number one is House Bill 465. This was our signature legislation that we focused on this year, and this establishes PBM um, registration finally under the Illinois Department of Insurance. This bill was championed by um, Majority Leader Greg Harris out in the House, and by um, Senator Andy Menard. And we cannot thank them both enough for their dedication and their leadership in helping make sure that 465 passed and is now sitting on Governor Pritzker's desk. We are anticipating Governor Pritzker to sign House Bill 465 in the in the coming weeks and we are looking forward to his signature on this so we can take the next steps forward this is not the end 
of PBM reform legislation. In addition to registration of PBMs, this establishes a MAC pricing mechanism for Illinois pharmacies, which we have not had in any way, shape, or form in under Illinois law. This also establishes the prohibition of gag clauses. It also eliminates copay accumulators for specialty medications. It also establishes that HFS shall have increased oversight and true oversight over the PBMs in the managed Medicaid program. And they haven't had that before. Under the current contracts, they only have oversight and authority over the MCOs, the, the managed care side, the health insurance side, and not the pharmacy benefit side. The PBMs uh, for under the managed Medicare program will also have to produce data, very similar to what was asked with in um, Kentucky Senate Bill 5 last year, and this would provide some more openness and transparency of the PBMs to HFS and how prescription claims are processed, showing HFS where the pennies go, from the MCOs to the PBMs to the pharmacy provider. So this is a huge step forward. It is, again, one of many steps and many phases yet to come because we are not done with the PBMs. They continue to abuse us in other ways, and we're going to stop it and find, and, and attack and add on to what the success we've done with House Bill 465 next year. In addition, we have Senate Bill 1715 that was brought forward by Senator Hastings. This actually helps expand the scope of practice of pharmacists in Illinois and would allow pharmacists to be able to inject antipsychotic uh, medications under a standing order agreement in the same manner that we do for immunizations currently. It also would allow pharmacists to be able to inject long-acting opioid antagonists once the patient has had their initial injection from a physician. So this is a huge step forward in the expansion of scope of practice and making sure that these medications are available in our communities. A lot of our Patients that need these types of medications don't always have access and the ability to have transportation to a physician's office each month. And in some of our communities, the only accessible healthcare provider is their pharmacist. So we're glad that um, Governor Pritzker will be signing this bill also in the coming weeks. House Bill 2160, this establishes for a uniform prior authorization form. I know we've tried legislation like this before, but this is taking an additional enforcement step by establishing a task force of healthcare providers and the insurance companies, including the PBMs, with the Department of Insurance. And um, we will be allowed to have two pharmacist members on this task force. So we look forward to the work of this task force and going forward and seeing if we can truly um, change how prior authorizations are processed. And this is just a reminder as a non-pharmacy, but it's still a healthcare, public healthcare um, issue that on July 1, 
all tobacco products went from being 18 and over to 21 and over. So again, please make sure if you do still sell tobacco products, and this includes e-cigarette products, that they are, um, as of the 1st of July, 21 and over. And as of today, there was a bill that was signed by Governor Pritzker that prohibits starting um, 60 days from today, so the end of September, 1st of October, that employers can no longer ask applicants for their previous salary history. So please remember, those of you who are employers, you cannot ask, starting here in, in the fall, for a applicant's previous salary history that will be illegal in the state of Illinois. Now, that is the highlights that we wanted to cover in this episode, and we'll be having additional webinars and, of course, our legislative, our full legislation and law review at our annual conference in September in Springfield on October 3rd through the 6th. So, again, if you want to get the full information, we'll be glad to see you in Springfield in October. So as great as House Bill 465 was, one thing it lacked was putting physical dollars in our pharmacy pocketbooks. And... That's one thing that that we honestly did not think would happen until, not this past year, but the year before, we actually got some budget review help by adding a line item of CAP funds, critical access pharmacy funds, that added $10 million line to the budget to help rural pharmacies who are struggling to survive by the Medicaid MCO programs. This... This fund was, was what you could call a financial bailout from the state to put money back in, in those pharmacy pockets. And we were lucky enough this year to have that line item added to the next year's budget. So we're going to still have cap funds uh, rolling into next year, right, Garth? We're, we're, we're still benefiting from this. That is correct. And we want to make sure that pharmacies are taking the time to attest. And it it does take a little bit of a process because you have to um, go into the older Medi system to be able to attest for your pharmacy for that quarter. They are looking at trying to move the process over to the pharmacy portal, but it hasn't happened yet. And the department is also looking at ways to try to see if they can get the monies for FY 2020 to be federally matched. And so remember, Illinois is a 50% match state, so the 10 million would become 20 million. But please remember, if your pharmacy is in a county of 50,000 residents or less, you qualify. But you also qualify if you are in a medically underserved area, and 87 of our 102 counties have a medically underserved area in them. So if your pharmacy is within one of those medically underserved areas, you also qualify for these funds. So please, if anything, you can apply and then find out that you don't qualify. But if you don't attest, you don't get any of the funds. So don't leave money on the table. Hey, this is free money. Yeah. This is free money out there. Well, why why would someone who qualifies not attest for free money? Exactly. Because we worked hard with Senator Menard to get this into the budget. If pharmacies don't apply for these funds, it's going to be hard to make the argument for them to, to be continued. So please, do take the time to attest. So the Critical Access Fund is 
real money going straight into pharmacy pocketbooks that were struggling on the MCO program. This is really a, a great idea to help these pharmacies succeed. But we have another change that's coming, and that's the covered outpatient drug rule. This affects dispensing fees for fee-for-service Medicaid. Garth, tell us a little bit about this change. And for those of you that may not be familiar with the covered outpatient drug rule, it was a federal rule that came down from CMS that went effective on April 1 of 2017. States had until June 30th of 2018 to be in compliance. Did you say 2018, Garth? 2018. Illinois finally received their compliance on July 25th of, of this year. So just last week. 2019. 2019. Okay. So just a little tardy. And the effective date currently is July 15th of 19. So you will already see some changes to the dispensing fee and the the cost methodology for medications. So we're going to go through that real quick here. So brand pricing is now going to be, and this is all affecting only fee-for-service, not managed Medicaid. So only fee-for-service, what we're talking about right now. Brand pricing will change to the lesser of NADAC, so the national list, no longer using the state MAC list. So the lesser of NADAC, or WAC minus 4.4%, or then the state's MAC list, or build charges. So again, NADAC, WAC minus 4.4, the state MAC, or the build charges. And for the user out there, the, the pharmacist out there billing at their computer, build charges, you can substitute our common colloquial nomenclature, usual and customary. Right. <laughs> exactly. So generic pricing is changing to lesser of NADAC, WAC minus 17.5%, the federal upper limit list, then the state MAC list, or usual and customary. OTC pricing will remain the same as legend drug pricing. Dispensing fee for non-critical access pharmacies is going to be $8.85. That's correct. We're no longer going to be dealing with the $5.50 and $2.40. Dispensing fee for pharmacies is going to be moving to $8.85, and it's a professional dispensing fee. We're going to be using that term from now on instead of dispensing fee. They've also added a professional dispensing fee for critical access pharmacies to $15.55. Now, they're still working on the mechanisms for the critical access pharmacies, and what we're being told is that they may be using a different definition, that it may only be those pharmacies in counties of 50,000 or less, and not including the expanded definition for those in medically underserved areas. That's something that we're having extreme, very intense discussions about right now. So keep in mind, people, when we're using critical access, those words are not synonymous with the critical access fund requirement that we talked about previously. These could be two separate requirements, or they are two separate requirements for the pharmacies to qualify. Critical access fund pharmacies include medically underserved areas, whereas the outpatient drug rule, critical access pharmacies do not include medical underserved areas. That's correct. And we want to make sure that that, that 
distinction is made. And so we will be working very closely with other pharmacy stakeholders and um, HFS as we go forward with the rollout of the covered outpatient drug rule. Parts of it, as we said, are already in effect. And we just want to make sure that it is fully implemented and that all provisions of the federal intent of the outpatient drug rule are are completely um, complied with by um, Illinois Medicaid. So, you know, this has been what I would venture to say the best legislative season that we've had for pharmacy in Illinois in many, many years that I can remember. Uh, We've had several wins. We're putting money back in our pockets. We are finally getting regulation of the PBMs, which is one step of many more to come. And we're making progress where we have been been slow to make that progress because of all the hurdles that this state provides us. So we need to reinforce the fact that this does not come easily and it does not come cheaply. These efforts cost real dollars and we need your help. Every podcast we have asked for help, we have asked for advocacy dollars, but now the ask is as big as it's ever been. We need your help. Advocacy fund donations are not coming in in a rate that will sustain these wins that we have had this year. And we are at the precipice of the best momentum that we've ever had. We cannot stop. We cannot fail. This is our chance to make real change in our state state's profession of pharmacy. So please contribute what you can because it will go a long way to help reinforce the profession of pharmacy in the state of Illinois from everything that we've talked about in in this whole podcast episode. It all relies on the advocacy of the Illinois Pharmacist Association and our group efforts throughout the state to make these wins happen. I completely agree with you, Ben. We are at a point where we are making significant movements forward and not in some areas, we're still doing steps In other areas. Now we are making leaps and we have to continue this momentum while we have it. And as we continue, as things continue to move very slowly on a federal level, we have to keep this momentum and this fire going that we got going on here in Illinois right now because we have finally achieved a win against the PBMs with House Bill 465. And it is not the end. It is only chapter one. And we have many, many chapters, and I would like to add volumes of the changes that we need to do for pharmacy going forward. Next year, we're going to be working on phase two with the PBMs. And we're also going to be looking at the complete rewrite of the Pharmacy Practice Act. The changes that we need to make to position pharmacy for significant advancement for the sustainability of pharmacy practice and the enhancement of patient health care and access has to come with the support of every one of us. And we know that times are tough, so every little bit helps. If you can only give us a little bit here and there, that's fine. If you can write us one check, that's great too. But every bit helps. Every bit gets us that one step forward that we need to success. 
So please, please reach out to the office and we can help take you through the next steps. Today, we need your help today. So, Garth, let's talk about some upcoming events. It's August 1st. Something opened up today. What is that? Annual meeting registration opened up today. And as we talked about earlier, our annual meeting is this year in Springfield at the Crown Plaza, October 3rd through the 6th. So please definitely look at your calendars, make room and come down. If you can't come for the whole weekend, come down for a couple of days or come down for one day. You can walk away with over 13 hours of continuing education credit if you attend the entire conference. And we also have additional keynote addresses that will be going on throughout the conference. And we have our exhibit hall where you can interact with various manufacturers, colleges of pharmacy. We've also invited some CBD manufacturers this year for our conference. So please do come and attend. And just to network with fellow peers because it's always a good time. You feel refreshed and you can go back to your practice setting and, and implement those new ideas that you definitely will walk away with by attending the IPHA annual conference. And don't forget, we have our live podcast show at the annual conference. So you can come attend, see Garth and I in person, and we'll have a a live studio audience for our annual podcast show. So unless you have anything else, Garth? Not for this episode. Okay, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you, Garth. Thank you, Ben. And thank you to our listeners and sponsors for supporting this show. Check back regularly to hear new episodes as we will keep you updated on legislative matters happening around the state. You can find us on the internet at IPHA.org, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as IL Pharmacist. That's plural with the S, IL Pharmacist. Follow us today to stay in the know. That will do it for this episode of Illinois Farm Talk. Stay tuned for our next episode as the Voice for Pharmacy in Illinois brings you another edition of Illinois Farm Talk. Thank you for listening to the Illinois Farm Talk podcast.